Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Hey, well this is, this is lovely. You're the second person recently who I have done a podcast episode over the internet and they've had a clay's horse behind them. I know, I thought this was going to be a running theme. This was actually in honour. Loving it, loving it. The, the, the multi-purpose clay's horse. Clay's horse. Though I'm a clothes horse person, I'm not, I'm, uh, not, I'm not street enough to say clay's. I can't pull that off. Well, the thing is about you... Christina Rose Leon is that you've got that professional setup there with your microphone and your uh, pop shield and your clothes horse because yeah I think of you as just like um somebody that's good at everything including speaking hence why you're on the podcast but I know why you've got that professional setup and we'll definitely I'm sure we'll get there but first and foremost thanks for doing this because I think you're brilliant and I'm pure chuffed you're on the brown the brief. Oh, thanks! Thanks for starting by saying I'm brilliant. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm happy just to come for the compliments. <laughs> totally, but and you are like OG member of the Brown the Brave because we were just saying yeah. that the Brown the Brave for anybody doesn't know was a blog. It started back in the day, and I looked back today, and it was like around this time. It was like March 2017 that you and I went to Wilson Street Pantry. So how funny wow. is that? Like so many years later. I just remember like wanting to speak to you as soon as I started the the the, the blog itself because I've just always been fascinated in what you're doing, how you you arrived at deciding that's what you wanted to do. So for anybody that doesn't know, you are an amazing jeweler, like amazing. And <laughs> having seen like some of the behind the scenes stuff that you post, like I, I just don't realize. I think people don't realize certainly. I didn't what goes into making a piece of jewelry. I think I was the same before I started. We're all really? we just assume it just turns up to shops. <laughs> yes. I was lured into a false sense of security that I could just hold a blowtorch and then all of a sudden have jewellery in front of me. Like <laughs> the little wee shoe elves during the night. And then I would sell it, get money, and go on holidays. But lo and behold, there's a lot of work. A lot of bashing goes behind the scenes. And are you a person? As I speak to you looking at it right now and you've got a piece of jewellery on, are you a person that has to wear jewellery every day? No, no. I have a, I have a necklace on that is it. I used to be that girl in high school that was like Phoebe from Friends. I had hundreds of rings on. I, lo- I, was, I was very partial to a ring. But this is before I knew I was going to do jewellery. I was just, I was really into rings and stuff. I, I, I got my ears pierced really late in the game, so... Um, so I didn't, I wasn't that way, but rings and stuff. Yeah, I was very much a kind of happy girl that way that had rings and bangles. You could hear me coming down, down the hallways. But no, no. And especially, obviously, if I'm in the workshop, you can't wear rings and stuff. So there's quite a lot of times I go out and then I'm like, oh, I've got, I've got a lovely little wee jewellery bowl full of rings that I've forgotten to put on. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm supposed to be walking out there. For my own marketing. <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, it is funny though, like thinking back to growing up, I think as like a young person, jewellery for me was like quite a, a statement piece as well. Like I think growing up, especially going into that like teenage mm. area of your life where 
it's just those statement things but like growing up because you and I are not the same age but close in yeah, age we're, we're, yeah yeah very close in age yeah like to think back of like what the style was and the kind of jewellery you were wearing then and like your style evolves but I think there's certain pieces of jewellery that just have that sentimentality like that you'll just treasure forever and I guess your job is tapping into that and I know people will be coming to you to create like engagement rings and wedding rings and really important pieces of jewellery but Mm -hmm. there's something about someone making something for you with you in mind and that being with you for your whole life and being passed down it's quite like a responsibility as a jeweler (laughs) wait don't say it like that I never thought about that (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah and 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 to hark back like I think jewellery is one of these things. Sometimes people, I mean, fashion, it's not, I wouldn't want to say it's dictated to you, but we do get quite swayed into fashion as the seasons go on. We Even things that we might, like, like say the 90s trend just now, you might look at it and be like, oh, that looks ridiculous because you remember wearing it, a bucket hat. But then in a couple of months down the line, you're like, that bucket hat actually looks quite nice. And you, so you do end up getting influenced by fashion. Like jewellery's less like that. It's, it's less um, it's less seasonal. So I find that people actually, they're more personal and they're more like they choose jewellery because they like it or they've been gifted it or, you know, or symbolises. No one needs jewellery. Like it really is a cherry on top. It's I mean, it's not a pair of trousers or a top you need to wear clothes or you will be arrested (laughs) I found that out the hard way (laughs) (laughs) but you I mean jewellery really is not everyone wears jewellery and not everyone's comfortable wearing jewellery until sometimes they find like my sister for example she's a scientist she she doesn't wear she's the opposite to me you know, she's now got an engagement ring uh, made by yours truly, obviously, or I would have killed her, um, which is really nice and beautifully simple and and really harks to her. Mm-hmm. And, and she's got one pendant that she wears all the time. But again, it's beautiful and it's simple and it's it just, it's so personal. And you can mix it up. You can, you know, you can accessorise and especially women kind of a certain age really like to then start playing with jewellery because it can really change how they feel and stuff like that. But for the the most part of it, yeah, jewellery is kind of you buy it and then you keep it. Sometimes you keep it in a box and sometimes you keep it on. You know, it's it's quite nice that way. But we know that when we open that jewellery box, you know, there's quite a lot of little pieces that... You, you you got when you're 12 it is it's it's very sentimental piece and that as you see is a responsibility but is a fantastic journey because obviously what I do jewelry wise I don't make collections for shops I, I'm not a jeweler that way I'm a, a a commission-based jeweler so someone would come to me specifically to ask for an engagement ring or remodeling their grand's jewelry that they've got that they wouldn't necessarily wear but they they would still want to wear it so we can yes. kind of melt it down and create something that they would wear each day. So I don't just make things and people go, oh, that's pretty, I'll buy it. I am making stuff for that person, which means I've got to turn into a wee bit of a detective at times to figure out what their exact style is. They might be like, oh, I love vintage stuff. Vintage stuff can mean 
Oh, huge, huge variety. Uh-huh. We're talking a good 300 years worth of commercial jewellery. Um, <laughs> so you can get it right. You do, like, as the years have gone on, and I've got, it's gotten much, much easier. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you're buying, men will come and be like, I want to buy something for my wife. And you'll be like, great. They'll be like, I want to have earrings. First question, do they have their ears pierced? I'm amazed at how many men go, oh, and you're like, oh my word. <laughs> that would be a basic question. Do they wear earrings? Yeah. Okay. So they've got the ears probably pierced. So then you've got to go and stalk them on Facebook to figure <laughs> out what sort of things they wear when they're out or, you know, so it is. It's a, Absolutely. I, I like, yeah, I should write a detective novel just for shit. <laughs> I feel like you should just be organising lots of people's lives. Like, here's how to know your partner better. Firstly, know if they've got their ears pierced or not. Ears. <laughs> what totally. beautiful ears you have, my love. But was that a deliberate decision on your part when you became a jeweller to not create these collections in the hope that people would buy them, that you did want to have that personal element where you were making something specific for a specific person? Yeah, I was um, very lucky that the way I got into making jewellery and the way I studied was through a college, through North Glasgow College, which is hugely renowned in the UK as being a wonderful makers college. The lectures there are some of the finest people I've ever met. They're not just educating you. If you work hard, they will Oh, they they'll they bend over backwards to make sure that you have an understanding of the industry before you go into it. The industry is very still old fashioned, very hard for hard for females more so, especially younger females to get into. It's usually more, especially down south, more families. So it's and and it is it is more of a down south at least a male industry so they really really helped you find that the Scottish industry is a bit more of you would do everything from the start to finish process where down south it would be you would be a diamond setter and that would be your job so here they really they were they were phenomenal but more art school people would go into doing collections they are more into designing yeah where we were really really told how to do the full process, but in particular making. Now, you do not want to sit and make 30 necklaces that are all silver, are all, you know, maybe the Scottish market and sit in a marketplace on a Saturday in the rain in hopes that they sell mm-hmm. where you could use the exact same skills you've got to to do a completely different market that is probably a bit more stable um, especially we were kind of obviously taught that there's a lot of markets out there like the Chinese market and the Indian market who do really mass produce well um, and if you say have a great design it's very easy for someone to go great I'll I'll produce 10,000 of that and then all of a sudden your unique piece like the uh, there's Alex Monroe a phenomenal jeweler who um, very famously did a bumblebee pendant which yeah. now, unfortunately, luckily he's got the the marketing behind him and the name behind him that you still want an Alex Monroe. But um, the, you can get them everywhere, unfortunately, because once someone has a great design. So that's why quite a lot of us in our class were highlighted to the fact that if you did more of this 
luxury or one-offs or a, a market the wedding market you could have a a really good career rather mm. than chasing a trend constantly thing now if you wanted to do do that or work for a company down in england or london great you know they would push you towards that if that but yeah yeah so it was definitely a definitely a decision that i made very early on also i I didn't have any money and you've got to put like 500 pounds a thousand pounds worth of metal then do all the hours to make it for it to sit in a shop in edinburgh hoping for a phone call to be like we've sold one of your pieces so you can then invoice them because yes. back in 2008, when I kind of came out of studying, it was very much uh, just the kind of, you would get paid if it sold. So mm-hmm. you're pretty much just gifting them a load of things. And then after a couple of months, they could give you it all back saying, yeah, we're going to change our display up. Here's six items that didn't sell. And you're like, oh, great. So you're putting a lot of money out. And I didn't have that luxury at the start, mm. you know. Of course. And I remember you telling me that your journey even towards that course itself wasn't like a linear path from school. It wasn't like, you know, you you always knew you wanted to be a jeweler. So if I'm right in remembering, it was like a class that you went to and you made a ring on the bus home. You were just admiring it and then went, oh, I made a thing. I mean, I'm guessing by that point you weren't somebody who was shy of making a thing because you're an extremely creative person. You know, I know the things that you can make. So was it that moment where you were like, oh, I can make jewellery? Yeah, like, as I I say, um, to to kind of... My my sister's a scientist. And in school, if you do science or English or something like that and you're good at it, there's a very... It, or at least in those days, obviously, I have been out of the, the education system for a long time. They really would push you into it. And even my sister would say sometimes they push you too much. You know, she actually went to study something and then went a completely different route within science. And she felt she was very, you're at a young age, pushed. Mm. My mum is an accountant. So again, she started her apprenticeship quite young. Um, and she's a, a Oh, if you want to do a podcast, she's a phenomenal, phenomenal woman um, for, for, for working in a, especially a male industry in the 70s and stuff like that. And mm. um, But we, in school, I am good at things, but I've never been great at a lot of things. So school was not an environment for me. I was very good at music, but not exceptional. Uh, I came from a school that the primary school was very, very musical orientated Mm. but they also didn't really teach us much English and math skills (laughs) because we were too busy playing music um so I I struggled with my identity in school as in I was around friends who were very very clear in their you know path and I think I think I was one of these people that a lot of people went oh bless they'll find their way but those are the people that I don't think get any real uh, kind of hand-holding to show that there's so many different industries out there. Um, I, yeah, I've been very, very good. I was always that kid that would make the uh, plasticine kind of pieces and stuff, and yeah. I, I loved that. Um, at, to me, that would still actually be a good evening. Uh, yes. Of, yeah. I think you're right, though. I think, I think probably still to this day there would be people listening to this young people at our school and they would totally identify with mm. 
mm-hmm. what what you're saying in terms of like you, there wasn't a, a necessarily clear path. You were good at stuff, but there wasn't like a standout like subject or whatever or an area where you wanted to. Because there's one thing being good at stuff and or being excellent or exceptional. Do you mm-hmm. want to do it for the rest of your life? Do exactly. you need to do something for the rest of your life? Can you pick something for a while? Can you? You know, I think that we were certainly our generation. Maybe were. Mm-hmm. still sold that story of like you know and there's something in saying stick to something you are good at obviously do you know what I mean like but but also I think there's something in just going just go and try stuff like yeah because you've not actually been out in the world much yet True. so yeah where you did you leave school going I'm gonna get a job yeah I left I, I left school going oh, okay now what <laughs> what question mark um let me back in let me back in yeah yeah i'll be good i promise i'll turn up this time well for some of it um not pe that's for sure i was never gonna nope. be very good at writing notes for pe that's for sure um but i uh, i left school and i had no idea what i wanted to do i completely out of my depths and i had my mum had a contact uh, through her her kind of working through temp agencies in Glasgow. Again, I was very lucky that in those days, temp agencies were very, very popular within businesses. Um, so they were always looking for staff. So I was an admin assistant for a couple of years and I would work sometimes one day in one place and sometimes four months up to, I think one of my posts was supposed to be a month and I stayed there for a about three three years wow um so that was very good because that put me very much out of my depth but I learned on the job very very quickly of at least how to talk to adults how to turn up on time how to if you're a temp and you you're not there you don't get paid you know that sort of kind of lifestyle and that really pushed me into knowing that I wanted to be self-employed because I enjoyed doing different jobs different contracts and and within that I say I went to evening classes um mainly because I also wanted to still do things and I knew that the office environment wasn't going to be for me long term as much as I really enjoyed the challenge um I I went and did uh, a variety of things. I did photography and I really, I was good at photography and I really enjoyed it. And I was working for the police at the time. And my sister was looking at doing forensics and I thought, oh, my sister could be a forensic scientist. I'll be a forensic photographer. We could like fight crime (laughs) together. See, you always had that detective hat on, really. Totally. You know what? This is just a a, a promo for I'm just going to at the end say, so yeah, I came out with a crime book. And I would not be shocked in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me, I can't write a shopping list rather than a book. Um, So we, I, I, I I I was looking at doing that and I was doing the evening classes, trying to make a portfolio thinking about that way so I was in the very early stages of thinking about potentially going down photography route um and again because it's you can be creative but at the same time I like that kind of making job much more than I think people think I'm very artistic I can copy things and things very well so if someone was to say for a production which I've like done before can you make 10 headdresses different queens throughout centuries yeah 
And you did it brilliantly because I've seen them. They were like, <laughs> phenomenal. I wore them about the house. And so I can I can look at something like an Elizabethan crown and figure out how to remake that sort of thing. Um, I've been good at making things. But if someone was say, can you design something or... It's, yeah, I'm not... As artistic, I'm creative, yes. Artistic is the next level of, of different things. I know my own skill set. So photography kind of went into more of that making thing, especially the actual, the darkroom and style of photography. There's quite a lot of things you can pot around with. So I like mm-hmm. that idea. But to be thwarted, the evening class was like, we've not got enough in attendance, so we're, we're going to close this book, like this block, sorry, and you can rejoin it next time but do you want just to join one of the other blocks that's running so i was like um okay uh so what else is going and they went well we've got sewing we've got blah blah blah. we've got things and we've got jewelry and i was like whoa yeah let's do that because i was thinking i can make myself loads of rings so funny how life just presents these scenarios and you and it's whether you like it's like that opening door like somebody's like open the door and it's whether you choose to go into it and obviously at the time you were just keen to like you're saying just to be doing some like to be making exactly to 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 be yeah to exactly that to to do something because during the day my job wasn't creative and wasn't and I had all that I've got a lot of that kind of energy also I, I find it very therapeutic and stuff so I need to sit and do something um like I was sitting painting last night i'm trying to take up acrylic painting so i've got a wee picture on my phone of i think like no it's sky a wee picture sky and i've been doing it on that skillshare i've been doing a wee painting classes i was working my way through it and stuff i need to be busy doing something creative because if not i'm one of those um what's the saying about kind of idle hands sort of thing i'm one of these people that i'll just I'll be like, oh, fine, I'll go for a lie down and I'll end up just moping about. Me being busy is, is really good for my, my mindset. Um, we got On the first night, we got to use the blowtorch and I was just like so excited to use something that fired out fire. I was going to say, like, like having your flash dance moment. It totally was. And I remember saying, I said to the person on the bench beside me, I'm like, I'm like that girl from flash dance. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I would be dancing and stuff during during like the day and during like doing rehearsals and things like that for shows and stuff because I always did dancing and then I'd be like and then I get to use a blowtorch in the evening and I was like oh. her. you know in fact you wear her because I've seen you I was going to say <laughs> little did I know in a couple of years time uh, I would actually star as I can't even remember Alex from Flashdance so I genuinely I was, and I remember going to the auditions and be like I can use a blowtorch and they were like yeah legally we can't have that on stage and I was like okay but I can still I can hold it right <laughs> just okay. come on people yeah. get the props department I can mime it well <laughs> <laughs> I love that I like what you said the honesty and that you have to be busy because <laughs> as somebody who has to be busy I think sometimes other people might look at you and go, oh, you don't know what to be up to. Why are you always doing something? Like, as if that's like a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, no, no. It's like knowing yourself well enough to know that actually that is a good thing for you, that you do need to be up to something. It doesn't necessarily need to lead to anything necessarily, but you just need to be making some yeah. of your hands, doing some of your hands, being busy, being creative. And it's exactly. nice that you've tapped into that and know that about yourself. 
the amount of projects that I have on the go, (laughs) some of them will never be finished. But I like having that. I've got a workshop full of furniture right now. I, I love a project. Sometimes they come to fruition. Sometimes they don't. But I love the... You see that it just it sparks. Some people love watching TV. Some people love their soap or love, love a film or something. You know, they, everyone's got their own thing that helps them just relax. Um, like I, I, I do have very severe mental health problems. I know a lot of people do know this. I have a borderline personality disorder, which was diagnosed within what well, during lockdown. Um which means that I do have quite a negative mindset for myself. Not for anyone else. I think everyone else is fantastic, amazing. But I always second guess myself. Now, if I can keep myself pottering away, doing something with no real consequences, so it's quite nice. There's no deadline. There's no customer waiting for or getting married in a couple of weeks or something. It's it's enjoyable, but it's also... It's also enough of a way to discourage my brain from thinking of things. And I say when my brain's idle, it's not the kindest to myself. So I figured out a way that helps. Now, that way does not work every single day. I do fall into paths and stuff. It's also why I exercise a lot. And it's exactly like you said. A lot of people go, why are you doing this all the time? It's because it gives me a lot of energy it makes me feel like I've done something very productive which then means I usually go back and I blast through something at work that could have been stressing me out a couple hours prior you know so it's exact I think a lot of creative people do other creative things on the side it's the gig economy as well you've all you've always got a I'll do this and then I'll sell that and that'll be great luckily I feel so seen it's unbelievable (laughs) I'm like this is why we're friends this is why I know you Yes, it's it's uh, creative people, artists, actors. Uh, we've we've got a lot of attention to detail for the world. Now that attention is great when it's going out the way. We're very good at helping other people. We're good at seeing other people's problems and saying, "Oh, by the way, do you want do you want help with that?" We're very good. What's known as a people pleaser because we're very very emotionally kind to others. A lot of actors and creatives are not emotionally kind to themselves so the more stuff we can do outside our heads the better I just like as a friend I want to say like thanks for being so honest and like I do feel like totally connected to what you're saying you know I, I think of you as somebody who obviously like just speaking to you just how you clearly know yourself really well and I think that's a trait as well with creative people that you're so in tune with what you do like and what you don't like and what what sparks interest and what makes your soul sing um it's that constant pursuit of doing something that does bring the joy that and brings the joy to other people and mm-hmm. that's what your your work does it brings so much joy to other people because like we we're saying it's that bespoke it's that personal mm-hmm. touch it's months of work I mean I remember speaking to you all those years back and the, the amount of effort and energy and time that you've put in not just the individual piece of jewelry that you make but just your studies as well because you went back yeah, to study yeah. CAD like mm-hmm. so yeah. you've been doing like jewelry for years and then this opportunity came up and I think I'm always impressed by people that go back because I'm like oh like once you're out the studying malarkey like I don't think I could do it what what made you go back and, and do that particular course 
I, yeah, so everything in the jewellery industry was very, very old-fashioned, stayed like that for years, and is now beginning to go down 3D printing route, which is what CAD, CAD is computer-aided design. So CAD CAM is design and manufacturing. Um, so yeah, I I had always, as they stayed in touch with my lecturers um, and my, my head lecturer, David Webster, who is an absolute angel, um, said to me, we're we're doing these courses. We've been affiliated with a university, so it'll be a university course. Um, do you want to do it? And I went, nah. <laughs> the idea of going back and studying was like, but I did that. No. <laughs> Maybe go back. Why? <laughs> don't, why don't you like me? <laughs> and he was like, um, it was all CAD now. And when I studied originally, you didn't even do Photoshop and stuff. It was uh, those things, if you were ever inclined, you'd do them on your own. Now, you know that it's integral to every part of your business that you need to know everything on, on a computer. Um, but yeah, he said, um, he was like, look, it's it's a one year kind of, I think it was an honours degree, one year honours degree. Um, it, everything he said sounded horrific I, I I did not want to do computer I love computers when I was younger I I was part of a huge website called Daily Booth I was then one of the first generations of like YouTubers I was touted as one of the top 25 women of the internet in 2010 to like watch out for and then I just gave it all up because I I didn't agree with mostly the security side of YouTube and stuff, which still has not been addressed. Um, but I was really into computers. I was really into jewellery. Did I want to put my two passions together? Nope. Did I want to have to write an essay on it? Hell no. But he did say, if we did it more as a stone setting course, so each brief that you've been given, we can add in another line that it needs to also have Pavi setting or channel setting would that sway it for you? And I always wanted to really specialise more in diamond setting. So I was like, mmm, It was the best thing in the world because it gave me, not only did it give me, I, I mean, now I teach within the industry, I teach other jewellers how to do 3D renders to show their clients, how to send off a file to get it 3D printed. But straight out of uni, I got, an amazing contract over in Barcelona to go write all their material in English and stuff like that. And I've just, it was just great from something that I just went, all right, okay, I'll do it. And again, for kids, sometimes you just fall into things. You do not have to have a career nowadays. And that is it. You clock in nine to five for the, until you retire and you get a nice wee present. You don't need, you can you can say yes to different ventures. You can try something, and if it fails, great, all right. Because you've probably learned a load of stuff, you know. So that was one of my things. So part of my business now is trade teaching and trade work. Also, it's great for showing clients. You know, your ring was one of the first rings that I did on a CNC machine. No you know, way. Yeah, so I did a prototype and stuff like that of your ring up on a CNC machine to work out if the stone would fit nicely, if it was too high, like, yeah. That is so yeah. cool, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a Christina Rose Leon original 
because mm-hmm. I was I was very kindly gifted everybody and I knew exactly who to take it to and uh, I just and I get so many compliments when I wear that ring like still to this day I mean I have had it for years um but as somebody who predominantly wears costume jewelry even when I wear that there is there, there's just something about it it's special like it mm. is like you put it on and you you take care of it it's not like a fiver for your high street do you know what I mean it is yeah and and you know because I know the person who made it Mm-hmm. And I know what went into it because we had discussions about it. And I, look, you know, I resort like I, I did my my kind of um, research before I asked you what I wanted, and mm-hmm. and you obviously went away and did your work. I just didn't realise how much went into it until obviously I spoke to you that time. And now, obviously, I think what's great on social media is that when you were seeing the behind the scenes more of people's craft, like you recently put a video on, and it was like an up close of you working on a ring, and I was like, that's fascinating I don't know what any of it is <laughs> but I would never have known what goes into it. you know you're dipping things you're bending things there's blow there's heat there's blow torches that like aha uh-huh, like I just I don't think people would necessarily realize until they've had that experience of working with a jeweler to make a piece of jewelry mm-hmm. just what goes into it. and it's so special and it's a craft that we have to honour and we have to keep hold of these. These expertise are so important, so important. And the fact that you're now teaching and passing that on is really cool. I think that's really cool. Hugely, hugely, yeah, yeah. And and, and the, yeah, the, that reel that I'd done, which was like one of my first kind of reels, um, the the response to that, I, I didn't know if people would be that interested. Obviously, it is an interesting subject. Like I, I, I did know that it would, some people would be like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't think the majority, majority of people would be like whoa and it really really hit off it definitely sparked an idea of me doing just more stuff sort of thing um because because I know I would find another industry interested in that and and yeah I mean it's got fire and it's got stuff like that so it is it's good. Yeah. I'm very lucky that I've got quite quite sexy props <laughs> oh I got fire and I got diamonds Woo. I mean you're like a bond villain <laughs> I've got I've got my wee dog that I just stroke in the workshop every so often and then and then yeah so uh, a swivel chair <laughs> And like that, um, you know, having your own space to work at. I mean, it's 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 one thing in going and studying and doing all the work you have. And like you're saying, like that attention to detail that goes into your work. But then building a business, though, you mentioned it on having to be able to do everything. You literally have to do everything. Yeah, it can, it, it can be very overwhelming at times. And I think anyone thinking about starting up a business now, I can understand why they would be overwhelmed at, admit that I was probably lucky when I started my business which is now now coming up for about 12 years ago um I've had that workshop for a good 12 10 years um and I've still got to do the floating in it. <laughs> I'll give it another 12 years and it'll look nice um, <laughs> um I, I, when I started my business we didn't have all the 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 reels and the instagram and the tiktoks and the and the creating your own branding almost and being you've got a lot of hats now to wear but also on the flip side of that for people starting a business just now or anyone who is feeling overwhelmed there's also a lot more out there to kind of help you whether it is you with the the CEC there there was a women's 
a working day that I used to do prior to, to lockdown, which will hopefully start up at some point. And we had loads of different industries, some people from like HR and stuff. And we would sit on a Thursday in a, a place up in Glasgow and just sit and get your work done. So you could just cool. turn up. Even if sometimes it's just saying, look, someone's emailed me this. And you know, sometimes you read things and you're like, I don't know if they're annoyed at me. Is this response good? And all you need is people to listen to you and go, yeah, just send it. So true. Where you would so have just true. been sitting for like, I'll make a cup of tea before I send it. I'll do this before. I'll, uh, I need to walk the dog. <laughs> I need to get a dog. Right? <laughs> like you, you procrastinate a lot because you're, you just don't, little wee things can take hours. So there's a lot out there now, if you've got a business, that you don't need to struggle by yourself. And I, again, I've got a friend who's starting She's a, done a lot of dog behavioralists. She's worked with Dogs Trust and everything. She's now going out on her own to do kind of more one-to-one classes and some dog warding. And, and it saying to her, just put stuff up. And she was like, oh, what about this? Is this okay? Is that, you know, is that all right? Just put it up. Because what's worse than bad content is just no content. Is You can just be sitting, I, I would be sitting in my workshop fiddling, like doing nothing if I wasn't putting myself out there every so often and the more I do it the more I do get people going oh that's quite nice could actually I've got a ring that I never wear anymore or my engagement ring that we got 30 years ago you know when we had two two young children and we we didn't have much money now because no one's been going on holiday for the last couple of years um they're like quite a lot of people are saying actually would like maybe to remodel my ring or you know so I think a lot of people are intimidated by putting stuff out because the world of Instagram has created uh, an idealistic view that everything is perfect it ain't we know it ain't yeah those people they've got a very lovely aesthetic way of doing things but that is their brand their brand is aesthetics just just do it and if it doesn't really work that well maybe ask someone who's email anyone like i've i've messaged other people on instagram being like how how have you done that you know or you know and following other people following people in your industry i think a lot of people think it's competition i think most mostly people will absolutely offer advice and help if you just ask i really do that has been i mean maybe i'm just i've been really lucky but you know, the amount of people that obviously I've asked to do this podcast, you don't get paid for doing this podcast, this is your time, you know, you could be earning money right now. I've done 170 odd episodes, that's 170 odd people that have said yes. Yep. That's really nice, Like, if you, you, but you have to ask the question, you're right, you have to, you have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And I think the behind the scenes thing, that's what people want to see as well. It's lovely seeing the finished, polished, beautiful, yeah. curated feed, but also we love to see real life because we want to be reminded that other people have real lives too and it's not all shiny and it's hard work and you know you've got dirty hands and you're in you're in a cold room or you're pure slogging your guts out or you're doing your tax return or you're in a cupboard whatever it is do you know what I mean like we're we're all doing we're all doing the hustle if you like Mm -hmm. so I think people do like that element of like oh good that's real life oh, that's what they're up to behind the scenes. That's the bit you don't get to see. And I think, like, I just really admire you putting that out there because, yeah, we want to be reminded that we're all the same and we're all got our, like, the hustle behind the scenes. It's not always just this polished, 
performance yeah. piece at the end. And you're right about the whole email thing, like because you can you can procrastinate over things that other people are like, oh, I could just send it. You're like, no, 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 but this is my business. This is me. You feel like you're always giving a part of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you, you, I think a lot of people who who have businesses, we're learning on the job a lot. Yeah, you know, you can't be good at everything. So nope. then you. If you are contacting someone, you're like, oh, I need to be professional. I need to come across as being like my head's really screwed on and everything. Like my head is not screwed on. I'm the sort <laughs> of girl who loves to go like, oh, there's a lake. Let's go swim in it. Like I need to now embrace that over the years. Yeah, but that, that, that. that is that's that's great. Like more of that. You can be yourself mm-hmm. because you. You are a professional. Like I know. Uh, oh God, that would that was that sentence was going to sound so big-headed. I know I'm good at what I do. Yeah, of course I you are, do. Like, you I'm, good at, I'm good at bashing things, shoving diamonds in. That's what I always am. Like I'm good at that. But the other side of things, yeah, I probably do come across as being quite scatty and stuff like that. I, that's fine because other people cannot create what I create, and that's Correct. you've got to kind of give yourself a wee bit of a right come on so yeah sending an email like that where you're thinking oh, I'm, I'm having to be slightly more professional or something sometimes it helps someone else just going that sounds absolutely fine or actually can maybe just change that we, that bit does come across maybe as a wee bit snappy and you're fine because you you know what it's like we all read texts we all do things and but it's everyone who is self-employed and stuff like that in particular is nowadays having to do everything where 10 years ago we weren't doing that we weren't having to have as many hats and we are seeing much more of you know like the little videos you get of people doing their packaging that would never have happened five years ago now it's all about that kind of look this is what we do this is how we do it this is my labeling machine who knew people would be watching things about labeling machines like that that sells the bespoke person (laughs) personal touch that somebody's going to come to you for that yeah. So you give them more access to that world and, and you're not going to get the, the same client every week. You're not going to get somebody rocking up for a new piece of jewellery every single week. No. But but when somebody makes that decision that they're wanting to invest their time and energy and money into something really, really special, then it is lovely just to, to get more of the process, to be more involved, I guess, for mm. people because that's something that I could never do. I could never make a ring. And you just very much did make me part of that process. And I know you do that for all your clients. And I remember speaking to you in 2017, just being in total awe of you, because the way you were describing what went into somebody's engagement ring and the back and forth. And I was just like, you can never be paid enough money for that, like the amount of time and energy and thought that goes into that. Yeah, and I have to admit, yeah, like um, it used to be that you pretty much got paid for your design time, which is that kind of going back and forward um, you, you can't do that anymore because we are all competing for the same business and and because people know that they could go on say Etsy or Pinterest and look at something I, I do get it a lot where I, and it, it, it's a good tool Pinterest is a great tool to to see what sort of things you like create an album I'll have a look at that album and it really helps me it used to be I would say go have a look in magazines now you don't you've got that all in front of you it's much easier but sometimes it also means that people will click on something and say but that's that's 400 pounds why are like what and you're like yeah that's 400 pounds they've made probably 100 of them 
Yeah. So they've made one copy and they've just done it out. They've just repeated that. It's not a one-off. It's also like, it's the same sort of way as people come to me and say, how much for a ring? And that's like saying to someone, how much for a car? Yeah. I will work to someone's budget. I will never say to someone, all right, you're saying a thousand pounds for an engagement ring. I'll I'll quote you two thousand pounds sort of thing, because it's just at one. I need the work. I need the business. And two, I would rather go. Okay, that's fine. The picture you've brought to me is Beyonce's engagement ring. I won't be able to do that for a thousand pounds. But what are the things that you like about it? Is yeah. do you like the fact that it's a big stone? So okay, that's where we'll put the money we'll Mm -hmm. maybe look at lab grown diamonds instead of a natural diamond we'll look at maybe something that's got a really wide spread but it's quite thin so it's not as deep so you've got that look of one carat two carats when it's really the weight of it is less but it looks impressive people have got different priorities of what they like but not everyone's got the budget of things that we see nowadays like actively on the kardashians and things like that but we still like them yeah um, i guess there'll be so many stories like because you've been privy to so much information about people's lives are there any kind of stories or standout moments that kind of stick with you that you're able to share there's a couple of people that i've worked with that obviously i mean i can't actually afford a lot of the jewelry i make <laughs> Um, and I think some people come to me and they, they do say the whole, oh, um, uh, this is just costume jewellery, like if I meet them for a meeting. And I'm like, I love costume. I've got books, coffee table books, full of co- costume jewellery has over the years been made to such sheer perfection. Like Chanel and stuff used to have gorgeous costume jewellery pieces. They're just, the stones that are in them are different stones. So we all love costume yeah. you can't all just wear be draped in diamonds like i mean if you if you can be draped in diamonds please phone me because <laughs> i would love you as a client <laughs> but so a lot of people come to me and almost apologize and be like oh, oh, oh this this wee thing oh, oh this is oh don't and you're just like i say a lot of the pieces that i make i, I will put them on the workshop and i'm like wow it's so sparkly i love you i love you so much and then i'll be like i'm so sorry i've got to give you to someone else but they'll love you too i have met people that i have talked to their rings rather than talking to their face i've been like i've missed you so much i don't care about how you're doing or your kids are doing just is the ring still nice does it need cleaned i i, lo- I love it so much i missed it <laughs> um but yeah, I've had some some people that have uh, have been like like crazy budgets and things like that that I've just been like I've actually reined them in. I've gone actually you don't need that. Yeah, we're comfortable within that. You'll get something beautiful for for that. Um, and then I've had like I've had one ring in particular um, that is a, a a dear dear friend from musical theatre years ago who has a Scottish sapphire and diamond engagement ring. Now. Scottish sapphires are so rare. And there was 12 found up in the Isle of Harris. They had to kind of put, like, say that they they had to change the location of where they had found it because all of a sudden, a couple of days later, there were people trying to mine and look and find these sapphires. And I think 12 of them were sold to, I want to say, the Hunterian Museum. And they had sold some pieces off sort of thing so I'd managed to find within a a gorgeous diamond uh, dealer up in Glasgow a 
very rare Scottish uh, sapphire. Now, the client really wanted something that was environmentally, not necessarily friendly. It is jewellery. We're never going to be 100%. Um, but he wanted to use like something that had a really low carbon footprint and stuff. And you can't get much lower than this is from the Isle of Harris <laughs> via Glasgow. The man who cut it was in Glasgow. You know, that was one of the most romantic, for me, romantic pieces because, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't 10 grand. It wasn't, but it was such a exciting story that I remember taking him to the diamond dealer to sit down and look at this. I love that. I love ordering in diamonds. I order in diamonds like you'd order in a pizza. By the way, people find this really weird. I'll phone up someone in Hatton Garden and say, clients want this sort of thing. Have you got anything? They'll be like, yeah, we've got a couple around that kind of weight and clarity. I'll be like, can you send me them up? I'll sit down with the client. This is my favourite bit. And they can pick the diamond up, look at it under the microscope or under a jeweler's loop. They can hand choose their own diamonds. You don't get that in the, the shops and stuff. And then... I was saying, what well, I'm not using, back. But I literally phone them up and get them in the post. Like That's mad. All right, can I have a pepperoni? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's mad. That's, 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 that's that, um, that, again, that personal element. And the stories, like the story, mm. clearly you are a storyteller and you're someone who, who loves to cur- curate those stories as well mm-hmm. in order to make that piece of jewellery. And I, I guess that's the kind of passing down of pieces of jewellery and families and stuff. And that, you know, as a talking point, you're a piece of jewellery because you won't have seen that anywhere else. It will be totally unique. It's a one-off. And as a talking point, and then this story arises of how, you know, and we went to the, the we went to Christina's workshop and we were looking at diamonds. I mean, that that's so cool. Like, who doesn't want that? And I know, obviously, not everybody can get that because it comes at a, a price, but like you're saying you're doing your best to work within somebody's budget so that they get that lovely story. Yeah, yeah. And it does, it, it comes at a price. There is, there's definitely times that people have came to me and said, look, I've seen this in such and such, you know, and and I I can sometimes to, to kind of a bit of wangling go, okay, I can, you know, try and kind of do it for that price with these little wee tweaks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, so I think some people think that also getting a jewellery commissioned is, like, for, you know, big daddy warbucks. It's not, actually. You can you can get something made, and especially, I'm a sucker for a, a little wee romance story or something like that. So if you just just come at me with a story and I'll go, okay, okay, I'll do my best, you know, don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different different jewellery different budgets and stuff like that and it's 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 something that we all understand i would much rather have the work and and work through something with someone the amount of people as well who have who either are like the the women who go to a golf club who are in their 50s and you know and they like to say oh my jeweler personally made this for me oh what's this oh you know and they're amazing i love them because they they're usually the people who then give me another three clients and so they're fantastic you also then get the people who go I I designed my my engagement ring for my partner and I let them have it they didn't I did that 
I think they'll find. But what we did was the process back and forwards is they've gone, I really like this bit. Could we have maybe it finer on that side? It's coming across as being a bit bulky. Or what would it look like with an oval stone instead of? And so we go back and forward. At the start, they're usually like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, it's fine. Because luckily, I do. I will send you three designs. Out of those three designs, just give me a wee bit of feedback. And then I'll send them another three. And we'll slowly, and then by the end of it, they're usually like, they know all the terms. <laughs> they're like, they they think they're a jeweler. They're, they're loving it. It's the same when I teach wedding dances. There's always one person in the couple who's not really down for it. And mm-hmm. the other person has like booked it. And they're like this, like swallowing me up, like ground, like hating life. And like, you know, after an hour, they're correcting the other person. They're like, can we get another rehearsal? Maybe the dance should be longer. I don't actually think we should have anybody else in the dance floor. Like, it's amazing. And it's giving people that confidence. And that's exactly what you're doing. It's like going, you can do this. We can, I'm just going to help you through it. I'm going to talk you through it. And and that you do get a say in this. You're not just coming to me and going, make something I think people are so a wee bit intimidated that they're going to go, oh, yes, what you would like is 20 million diamonds. Like, that's not my job because you you probably won't like that. That's going to be way too heavy. (laughs) You can't do anything (laughs) with that. Like, come on. Everyone's still got to go to Morrison's at the end of the day. You can't go shopping with 20 million diamonds on you. But, but yeah, at the start of the process is usually a bit like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm asking you questions for specific reasons i'll ask you yes no questions at the start i'll then say well it's it's such a good slow process that by the end of it you're not just going oh i just need i felt like i was wanted to buy it just because i had to buy it because they'd done so much work i would hate that you know as well and i've had clients that were after three months of working and stuff their situations have changed and they've gone we've had this huge bill in or it's We've got a world pandemic. We cannot get married just now. And that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. They will go into a folder and if you want to come back, great. And if not, it's, it is fine. I think people need to be more open to using people's services like that because we're all a wee bit scared that once we say, hi, you're tied into a contract, you're not. Once you start the process, you'll realise it's a lot less intimidating than it is. Mm-hmm. Like, But I think that's the skill that you have and it's another skill that... you've obviously developed but it comes natural to you and that you are like a confident communicator you make people feel at ease in your your company that you you do that hand holding the investigative work like that's a whole skill set in itself you're a people person like you were saying like you like being around people as much as uh, I'm guessing it's a very solitary job in a lot of ways but then you have that interaction which is lovely as well and you'll have collected all these people over the years that you're like oh I wonder Wonder what that jewellery is now. Wonder what it's doing. It's okay. I've got tracking devices on all of my pieces. It's absolutely fine. I know where it is at all times. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It's so solitary. <laughs> like I'm in the workshop by myself with the radio on most days. I've got a couple of mice in the workshop that I've now employed as my staff. Um, yeah, but yeah, there is a lot of times that I'm just I'm just grateful to be sitting having a coffee and talking to someone. Um, and you 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 get to find out about oh you I mean I am usually the first person that finds out that someone's going to propose out of all of my friends that's lovely or you get to find out where they met and stuff because all those little wee things actually do help I, I need a feel for the person I'm not making I, I just 
as say a car. Mm-hmm. I'm not making something that they're just going to use and that's it. There's been so many occasions that the person's tried on the engagement ring, if it's especially if it's in a surprise. And couple of things one I'm so I just want to know does it fit because usually we've usually you've been sleeping and you don't know that your fiance to be has been secretly sending me pictures of your hands <laughs> with a 50 pence piece beside it as a form of reference you know you know there's a lot of creeping that goes around with me sorry <laughs> but I've got loads of pictures usually of people's fingers or sneaking re- rings out for whilst you're in the shower of this ring she wears on her left hand but is on her and you're like right okay um, <laughs> but <laughs> I've lost my train of thought because I've just gone down the creepy route again oh no um but yeah there's there's a there's a lot of work that that goes into to doing that and then when they do propose it's amazing yes one if it fits but two they're always like they're like I wouldn't have asked for anything else and you're like wow because sometimes People come with crazy ideas that you're like, okay, they're going to wear this for the rest of life. So you need to, like, just because I like dogs doesn't mean I would want an engagement ring shaped like a dog. You know, it's that way. They're like, they love purple. You're like, okay, but mm, would they want a purple engagement ring? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And it's my job to really figure out where that yes or no is. And it's difficult if you don't know the person. So that's where a lot of questions come from. Sorry. I think you would make an excellent detective. I'm just saying. I mean, I know oh. you're busy with the jewellery and that, but just putting out there, I think there's time for you here. I think if you could invent an eighth day of the week with all your other extracurricular <laughs> activities, then that would be a perfect addition. What are you up to these days? Doing like amazing things, lifting heavy, heavy, heavy mm-hmm. things and pure bossing it. Like... <laughs> Once again, in the world of Instagram, I put up quite a lot that I I do do really well and, and push like half a ton sled. What I don't put up is the video of me yesterday uh, at the gym. Oh no, two days ago at the gym, having a hissy fit whilst not being able to lift a deadlift. And then I was strapped to the bar and I kind of did that thing that was like, I can't, I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> and then I sat on the ground and cried for a wee bit. So I, I put that up. But yeah, I, I, I've I've been trying to start the world of um, strong women. So the the equivalent female version of strongman. So I've got a competition, my first ever competition, in a couple of months down south for that. So that's um, so cool, man. So yeah. cool. Turns out when you're five foot three and you've got really quite short legs, lifting things up is actually you're 40 and I know you do extra work as well like people will have seen you on the telly like you do you're you're a a talented being but is that very much just like you have other interests you just don't want to be doing jewelry all the time and that makes sense yeah totally like uh if you if you if you work um I think a lot of people think that if you you have your own business you can go to lunch and stuff like that a lot which is true you you've got the flexibility of of changing your hours you also are working to a lot of other people's deadlines so I work a lot at night time mainly also because I've got a wee bit more energy and focus at night time and that during the day I can do I'll work out for a couple hours and I'll do this and that I'll go to the dentist I'll do all my wee things but then I can now I've expended all that energy I can sit and actually concentrate and do that working out mentally really keeps me on track but also I do like like yourself I like a wee personal challenge I'm not competitive with other people but doing that kind of weightlifting thing has I've just gone into it because 
I've lifted something up and, and I've gone, oh, that was good. And then I'll put more weight on it and I'll go to lift it up and I'll go, oh, no, that's super glued to the floor. What? But it creates a wee bit of a, okay, next time I'll try it. But yeah, like it helps to be able to go away and do something. Um, but it's not just walking the dog or it's not just leaving the house. You're leaving the house with purpose. I think a lot of people think as well, if you're doing something that you love, which is a good thing to do because it means you're never going to be constantly fighting to be passionate about it. But it, it also it also is a lot. It can sometimes not kill your passion for it, but it can, it can turn it into work. And, and I think people think that if I'm not working, I'll just be in the workshop making things. Now, it's not, I don't want a busman's holiday. You have other skills that you want to tap into and talents. I mean, we like, spoke about musical theatre. I know that's yeah, like huge. been such a love for you. And then, like I said, like you do a lot of like TV and film work and modelling. And and then you've got the, the, the weightlifting. Yeah, like you, mm-hmm. why why not make space in your life for these other things? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's important that you get that time away from your business and I guess it gives you mental clarity as well and it like when you step away from things to come back to them and go oh, all right that's what I needed to be doing or that's what I needed to think about yeah and also I'm I'm I'm, I'm not dumb in the way that when I've done musical theatre I've usually got a good three or four jobs out of it because of the people who also do theatre same with acting which I just fell into my friend Johnny introduced me to to one of his agents, Sonia, um, with All Talent, who are phenomenal, and I love those women. They send you an audition. They say, can you turn up at this time? And I go driving there going, why am I doing this? I am sweating so much. I'm so nervous. I don't want to do this. And then I do it, and then I'm like, all right. And then sometimes they phone you going, yeah, you've gotten a job. From something that probably people thought earlier on, why do you do that? Why did you do musical theatre for no money all the time? Well, one, it, socially it was fun, but also I didn't realise it was giving me all the skill that then I've now managed to monetize. There's some jobs that are so fun and so easy to do and so nice, like the BAFTA job that I, I'm on billboards. I'm so excited. I'm on billboards so cool. around like the UK and stuff like that. I am, I am starstruck. For myself. So you should be as brilliant. I love it. They put makeup on me and we sat on a couch for a couple of hours and took pictures and they were all like, this is great. We're having so much fun. And then they, then I went home and now I'm on billboards. Like, who would say no to that life? But I will advocate, I turn up early for every shoot. I leave last for every shoot. I say hello to everyone. I ask if people want coffee. Like, there's a lot of people in this industry that if you work hard, you're smiley and you're not a diva, they will remember you and they'll want to work with you again. So that's just you, Christina. That's you because you're a nice person. That's not an act. That's not something... No, but it definitely helps. It really does yeah, help. Yeah. You know, you, but you I mean, having know. been a bridesmaid with you, I know the graft, the shift that you can put in. Oh my Dicko. word. Like, if you're ever going to be a bridesmaid, you have to get Christina involved in the action. And Lisa, we are the dream team. But that is just you, and you are a helpful, inquisitive, like, hardworking, talented person. It just, yeah, you just, you're just so impressive to me, and I'm just so chuffed that. Like, you're still getting to do all the things that you love to do because you do them so brilliantly. 
You too. I, I mean, literally the exact same sentence all the way back to you because Thanks, yeah, you are, you're one of these people that like salt of the earth sort of person that would help. Like if you were on fire, you would make sure that no one else <laughs> caught on fire. You'd be like, oh, st- stand back. I'm on fire. And they'd be like, That's yeah, just yeah you are. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you okay? Are you all right? Lisa, you're on fire. You know, so so yeah, it's the exact sentiment back to you. You're so hardworking, and that's why, like, like the podcast and stuff. It's an absolute honor to be on it, sort of thing, because I know how much work you do behind all the scenes, doing all this. It's not an easy task. There's no mystery. Like we're all just doing it and like figuring it out, you know. And I think if you can share your wisdom you can help somebody you can get a cup of coffee you can show them behind the scenes you can give them a wee leg up or just like cheerlead them do it like yeah why would you not yeah uh like the joy the the payback of that like if you're looking for a payback it's tenfold when you just connect with good people doing good things and that's that's what you're doing i think is so cool um and like considering like we're come we've came through a pandemic and stuff it's just lovely to see people still doing what they love to do and getting because I know there's so many people that have had to abandon that you yeah, know so yeah. I'm just chuffed to see that you're still yeah very very, very lucky yeah and, and I have to admit all of my clients have been getting married and stuff have have gone through roller coasters to to some five dates that I've had to have changed and stuff like that so um yeah so it's it's been it's been a process with you know hearing them and but yeah yeah very very lucky that I've managed to kind of come out the other end of it and now like people are now beginning to get back into the wedding market and stuff like that so it's it's like oh wow everyone's getting married now at the same time yeah it's been it's been good for me I can definitely not um complain that way that I've managed to Kind of, and also I don't have a, a that expensive of a life I'm, I'm it's me and my dog sort of thing I'm lucky that way um so uh, I, I'm just glad that I've been able to live quietly and stuff and and now that works bounce back can now just get back into it and hopefully get a holiday at some point Woo-hoo. Yay. <laughs> yes yes to holidays mm-hmm. now I remember that when we did the blog post, I had actually started, which is now called the Hingamajigs. I don't know what I called them at the time, but I did like to ask people some random questions at the end of the blog. Mm-hmm. So I thought it might be fun to actually revisit the questions that I did ask you in 2013 and see if your answers are still oh! changed. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I've never been able to do that before. <gasps> okay, so I asked you if you could have an unlimited amount of something what would it be tea did i say it was either going to be tea or cake but i mean you can't have an unlimited amount of cake because then you'd be like oh they've not got any tea with it but tea on its own st- i mean it's you it's- also did say sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah that now I, now i wouldn't admit that as much but yeah totally i love a nap I love how you and brand you are. Still, still the tea, Jenny. I love it. Um, hidden talent. <laughs> what on earth did I say before? My hidden talent. Oh wait, I suppose if it's going to be hidden. Uh, ah, wait. Did I say being able to nap anywhere? Nap. Oh, a diff- different skill. Different skill altogether. 
Apparently, you in 2017 could hula hoop for two hours and 10 minutes because you were watching a YouTube video during the Olympics and discovered that you could do it for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, there was a, so there was a YouTube challenge uh, with the Olympic Committee and they were challenging you to do different things and I could hula hoop, so I thought, okay. I had to do it as a timer on camera so you could see that it wasn't edited and I was watching a film and it was Dustin Hoffman or something like that and he had a heart attack during the film and you can see me stop hula hooping because I'm in such shock and I go, oh! And then I'll glance down at this falling hula hoop and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I got too caught up in the film. So that was two hours and ten minutes. And I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'll do it. <laughs> I don't think I've done anything for two hours and ten minutes. My attention span doesn't last that long. I love a repetitive task. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't ask you this because this wasn't a thing in 2017. I ask everyone, what is your favourite Scots word or phrase? My favourite Scots word is going to have to be sugar because my dog's called sugar. Your wee dog. Anytime anybody's ever said sugar, I then <laughs> tell them about your dog. We shug the dog. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for doing this. You're awesome. I, I've had a lot of fun. It's been great. And um, I think at this booth that I've created, it's going to be a permanent fixture in my living room from now on. I mean, quite cozy. I'm just saying, I'm going to add to your list, but I mean, podcasts. I can oh, 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 maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a lovely day, whatever you're up to. Yeah, I don't know what's in the plans. Are you, sh- are you lifting heavy things today? Uh, I will be at some point lifting things and putting them back down and then lifting them again. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.